Hello and welcome to episode 40 of 177 Nations of Tasmania. I'm Mark Thompson. Imagine you're 15 years old and your parents send you to a country on the other side of the world where you don't speak a word of the language. For many of us, this seems unthinkable. But this is what happened to Nick, who was raised on the island of Lesbos, Greece, which was at the time in the throes of a violent civil struggle just after World War II. He eventually joined the thousands of other Greeks who settled in Tasmania in the 50s and 60s and came to form one of Tasmania's most prominent and successful migrant communities. Please listen in to hear more about Nick's remarkable journey to be here. Where did you grow up in Greece? In my school days in Greece, I was in an island named Lesbos. Mytilene is the capital of Lesbos. And uh, that's where... I was uh, 15 before I moved out to come to Australia. And what sort of life was it back in those days? That's, it was very bad mm-hmm. those days because it was the end of the Second World War and then the locals start right and left wing. The locals start with having, killing each other themselves. Mm. So otherwise the World well, finished, but the, the, the war in there was still going on. And all the young people want to get away. So was that conflict between just local Greek people? Two different, uh, what you call... Uh, oh, so, so, so polit- different politics. Politics, left wing and right wing. Yeah. And that's the last few years. But uh, a lot of young, young ones. Uh, and when you see them, so many, you know, try to get a wife so you think of much as well try go myself, you know. Yeah. But uh, for me to come here then, because I was too young to let me come, uh, I had to get a special, uh, uh, what do you call the... Uh, oh, like a special permission or... Because I was underage. And... Uh, and uh, my father knew somebody then asked me if his son can send me one of them so I can go over. Oh, okay. So you, you had like a, a special permission to to leave on your own. But it was quite a <laughs> up and down trip, you know, because my everything was arranged after a few months and uh, my father is taking me to... Athens, Piraeus, to get into the, to the, the bout. It was wintry, very cold and miserable. But the bout was left a couple of days earlier. Oh, right. So I had to get, uh, after a few days, I had to put me in a small plane, go to Alexandria, and somebody else come and pick me up from the aeroplane. He put me into a, a train to send me to... Port side. Oh, port side. Yeah. Port side. And after two, three days, the boat come and go in. And after 28, 29 days, we reach Melbourne. So why did your father, was it your father who chose to send you away? Yeah. And why did he choose, why did he think Australia was a good place? Well, uh, listen to other rest of the town, you know, talking about how... Can't be, couldn't be any worse than what Greece was then. Yeah, okay. And uh, when we had the certificate and uh, took me to, to Athens, he gave me 15 pounds, which he had to sell all the olive oil. That's the only 
So is that what your what your family did? They were made olive oil. Yes, and and other things, you know, their own bread and uh, veggies and fruit and all that. Okay, so like f- farmers, or was that just the way they? Sort lived? of, sort of, a bit of everything. Yeah. So he gave me the fifteen dollars and his blessing, and uh, off I come. And uh, while I was in Portside, there was a lot of uh, street sellers. So I didn't have any watch. I had no watch. I never had. And uh, I love watch to buy one. And uh, of course, the street sellers there, they come by the dozen, try Mm -hmm. to sell you things. And I pay three or four pounds and bought a watch. I was so happy about it. After two weeks, it didn't stop working. And he said, somebody, my watch stopped. He said, oh, check it out. He said, no good. <laughs> yeah. So, well, three or four pounds, that's like uh, 20% of the money you had. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. But the arrangement was this person from, Mel- from Sydney to come to Melbourne and mm-hmm. pick me up because the ship stopped in Melbourne, didn't go to Sydney. And the ship wasn't very good. The ship there, there was banks you know one on top of the other inside terrible. but I, I didn't know any better <laughs> never been in the ship before yeah so yeah if you don't know any better you're right but when we got to melbourne very early in the morning everybody up with the suitcases to get out and uh, a lot of women men right a lot of men with photographs in the hands of the women they brought in to marry, you know, the... Yeah, yeah. So they'd arranged it... Arranged it. in Europe. Yes, and uh, most of them, they have a photo and they're all looking. <laughs> so meeting, they were meeting for the first time. Yeah. yeah. And in a couple of hours, everybody's gone, you know, it's empty. The, mm-hmm. the port, hardly anybody there. After hours and hours, I thought better get back in the ship, but they wouldn't, wouldn't let me. So you're going through the customs, so you can't go back. I had a small suitcase and overcoat on the other hand, and wait and wait, and then a youth come, utility pull up, and I had to talk in Greek, because I, I didn't know not a single word of English. So I approached them and talked to them, and. Told them, you know, somebody was supposed to come and pick me up, and they didn't come. And they asked me if I want them to drop me in town, in the city. Well, I, I didn't know any better. Yes, drop me in the city. Show me this Greek restaurant. Say there. So I went to the restaurant. It was a cubicle there. I sit down. And I had a look. What can I have with three shillings? And didn't bother having breakfast or anything. Then you know, the, the morning to get out quick, and uh, a gentleman come and sit in the same cubicle and he looked at me and he said, what are you doing here on your own? Mm. And I told him what's happening. When the food comes, he orders some more for me, he pay for it, and uh, I said, well, you want to come with me? I said, I don't know. Next door was door of staircase going up, and it was a great club. Mm-hmm. It's a restaurant, a club. It was uh, after lunch, late afternoon. And uh, we went up to the club, 
and he called someone, maybe in the middle twenties, I suppose, and he gave him five pounds. And uh, he asked me first if he got the, any address and name where the person, the one I'm supposed to come and pick me up. And I did have his name and address and telephone. So he gave him five, he gave the fellow five pounds and asked him to take me to the railway station, get a ticket to Sydney and ask what time the train gets to Sydney and send the telegraph, go to the post office and send the telegraph, which he did. He put me in a train and uh, when I got to Sydney, that fellow came and picked me up. He reckoned he, he had somebody to pick me up that didn't come or something, so I don't know. And that was in the Oxford Street, opposite Town Hall, the Town Hall there. It was um, away in Milk Bar. I worked there, I had a room upstairs for me to live and I walked downstairs. And after a few months, I found a better job and slowly better and better. So what was it like, though, um, coming to a new country and not speaking the language? It wasn't very good. Sometimes I had a few tears rolling mm-hmm. down sometimes. At my own, you know, on the room there and nobody to talk, nothing to... Even if you want to talk to the locals, no, I didn't know any English. Yeah. But as soon as I started learning my first, uh, first, my English still very bad because <laughs> I should be much better with uh, anyway. Then from then on, I moved around. When I was uh, 17, I borrowed 400 pounds from somebody, a friend of mine, to, and somebody told me there's a shop in, uh, out of Newcastle. So you bought a bought a business in in Hobart, yeah, the Piccadilly. And so, how did you get started in in Tasmania, and what was your sort of first experiences? Well, we know about. I was good outside the shop, and the other fellow was good in the in the kitchen, cook. And we know each other very well. And uh, he's still here, that fellow. His, his children got the Sandy Bay Bakery. You know, we were in the business together, which we did well, because those days was about 500 Greeks working for Hydro. And every weekend, they would come to Hobart, and they want to spend, they eat, drink, play cards, and spend money yeah business we're doing well we give them good food and service and club upstairs restaurant downstairs and uh, we're involved in uh, build soccer club and with uh, the others here there was in the community you know in build the community yeah, I was going to ask, what, what, what was the Greek community like at that time? Was it sort of a, a big... It sounds like it was a quite a big Big, big community. and uh, very together, you know, the working all together and uh, Greek, strong, strong community. Yeah. We build the church, we build the... Today, the new generation got different ideas. Everything... In all communities. In all communities. So 
your children and grandchildren speak Greek still? Not the grandchildren so much. Some mm. of them, Yanni, Yanni speaks uh, Greek, good Greek, because his grandparents didn't know much English, so some of them do, some not. Yeah. But, uh, because there's still a, there's, there's still a Greek uh, school in Hobart, isn't there? Yeah, for the kids, uh, school kids. But when they grow up and uh, start the boyfriend, girlfriend, and all that, then they speak <laughs> in yeah. English. Yeah, and I guess there are just uh, less Greek people in Hobart to speak to compared to when you were here. There would have been a lot more. So there's more. The different generation. Yeah. Not the same. Yeah, who, and they've 50. all they've all grown up in Australia. Yes, of course. <coughs> I'm talking about late fifties until now. You know, how many years that you work out? <laughs> 50, 50, 60 years or whatever. And so at that at that time. Um, did you feel that uh, people, people here were welcoming of Greek Greeks? Was it, was it easy to sort of adapt to life here? Oh yes, yes. We used to have dances. We had to have cinemas, Greek cinemas, we had to, to show them at the top of Elizabeth Street. Oh, okay, at the old the state cinema. Yes. Uh, Every once a week or once a fortnight, they used to send the, the connections from Sydney, they send the film. Okay. So Greek films. Yeah. Yeah. So you were able to sort of still sort of practice Greek culture and customs at that time? Yes, we had the Prisca then, Pater Tamias. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, he was a lovely man, and uh, he started start getting m m married with young ones who all grow up, and weddings and parties and all that, picnics. So they used to have with some photos. Uh, we used to hire bus once or twice a month, and to the with different meet uh, uh, People running the ladies' committee, you know, different committees. And, but they all was belong to one committee. Mm -hmm. yeah, the, the, one and the others were subcommittees, you know. And yeah. It was very well organized and uh, was very strong, doing very well. And uh, now the different kettle of fish. <laughs> yeah. I guess the um, the people who were organising it before, there's just not as many many people who are motivated. Most of them dead now. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and no one to no one to replacing them. No, but compared with other migrants, we're right. The Greeks, I think, is still a bit well, you know. The church, Sunday church, usually you see there 50 or more people on Sundays, mm -hmm. which is okay. 
But the, the new generation, the young ones, you know. There's a school, there's a... Well, the last couple of... Two, three weeks, they had a couple of bouzouki nights mm -hmm. at the club there. Yeah. For the young ones. And I believe they had, it was quite good. Yeah. So there's still some sort of young young people of Greek heritage who will to practice some traditions. Yeah. Oh yes, the 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 teachers uh, teach them to dance proper Greek dances. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And is it important for you that these some of these old traditions from? Oh, we we'll like to keep uh, as long as as long as we can. Well, I think I think it's nice to yeah. keep it going. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And you mentioned a little bit about what your parents did in Mitilini when we were growing up. What what was your what did your family live live from? Like, what was their business or what was their work? With paddocks, there were uh, some paddocks, five. Acres, ten acres, two mm -hmm. acres, and they just grow whatever they can to, and uh, they exchange. Ah, okay. So if, like you, a... if you grow one something else, I grow something else. I give you some for mine. You give you something. Ah, okay. So and, a barter and, system. Well, they, they help each other exchange, and the island, my island. Uh, my product is uh, olive oil. It's uh, got, I think it's got about 12 million olive trees on the wow. island. So that's the main, the main industry? Well, they, for instance, uh, they used to grow wheat just enough for them to make their own bread. Okay. Before. But now I don't think anybody makes the bread. They pay for it. You buy the bread now. Yeah. And things like that, you know. You have a, a couple of goats, goats at home, a little, little pair of there, small, and you used to make your own cheese, yogurt, chooks to have eggs and chicken eggs. And also in my days, we used to get a little pig at Christmas, mm -hmm. just after Christmas, get a little pig and feed it all the year, and Christmas time, they kill it, and uh, and roast it on a spit? <laughs> Not too big for the spit. Uh -huh. <laughs> they used to to make special uh, something that it keeps for weeks. But don't do it these days. These days. They didn't have no fridges, refrigeration. Now it's a different kettle of fish. When I first uh, went back home to visit my parents, I bought them the first thing I bought was fridge. Mm -hmm. Not many houses could afford to buy it. And uh, they never had even uh, radios, some houses. You know, it was poor. But now they're keeping up, sort of. <laughs> Better life. My village. And if they go there and work and make money. That's what you were sent out here to do. Yeah, they go, they go to Australia and plenty of work, plenty of money. You didn't think the streets were paved with gold, though, did you? 
me, I, I didn't think anything, Monsieur Roberto. <laughs> if you see all the others go, so I must, I must go myself, you know, excited. But when I got on the way, you know, and uh, I was uh, on, the, on the ship, one on top of the other was sleeping in the mm. bunks. Terrible. <laughs> get seasick and uh, all that, yeah, I got that. So they were... I guess what I was thinking was, were they sending you, hoping that you would uh, be able to make a good living in in, in Australia? Or well, was it America before that? And my, let me see, grandfather, my grandfather had uh, two sons in America. Okay. And the Americans were sending food, uh, clothes, things. Okay. Because of the war, you know the keep sending stuff and they say, oh, they're rich. Mm -hmm. Sending all these things from America to to them. And you go to Australia, you do the same as the Americans. Make money and have everything you wish. Still would have been very hard. But I guess, I guess also they were, they were hoping, I'm imagining, for that you would be in a much more stable environment where you could be more, yeah, you would have a better life. Probably they don't think, you know, what what's there. What yeah, okay. They don't been somewhere to have a look, and but we can judge because we lived differently. I think you must have been an amazing young man at fifteen to have come to a country where you didn't speak any of the language. That's hard enough mm. without any other things happening the guy didn't turn up to me yeah i was thinking it's if i was imagining putting myself in that position if i'd arrived in a strange country where I'd fif at 15 uh, and didn't speak the language at 15. yeah I, I would be quite uh i would be more than worried i would Oof. be i would be a little bit scared look, looking around scared. Not, but you didn't you didn't feel that at that yeah, time yeah i did feel that uh, didn't have anybody to tell <laughs> okay Amazing. I don't know. I think you must have been remarkable, really. Well, when, you, when you get to that position, you just have to carry on. I mean, if that man didn't happen to come and sit on my next to me in the restaurant and give the five pounds, five pounds was one week's wages, eh? five pounds, and give five pounds to send me where I had to go, I don't know, sometimes... Well, he, was a, he was ever so kind yeah. to do that. And the, but we were talking about that the other day, that the trust, those days, the trust, he didn't think of anything that could go wrong. But mm. today, your first thoughts would be... Yeah. Yeah, but I guess also at that time there would have been a lot of other, I mean, new Greek migrants there and it, they were all trying to help each other because they've had the similar, you've had a similar experience, I guess. So I think something which would make me unhappy because I said to this person, you gave me your name and address and I said the money. Mm -hmm. You don't think he ever did. And uh, he said, don't worry about nothing, please, you know, just... And he gave it to me, and when I went to the person pick me up, and I told him how I got there, and I said, this is the name and the address of this person, and the first money I'm going to 
get from work if you want to send five dollars to that person. Oh, I say, oh, five pounds, yeah. would it be? Five pounds. Five pounds. Was a lot of money those days. Weeks wage. And uh, after a while, he gave me, I don't remember how much. I said, what about the five pounds for that person? I said, I send it, uh, I already send it. And uh, next day, I asked him if he give me the note mm -hmm. with his name and address to write him and tell him thank you, you know, because I, I didn't feel not to do it. You know. And he said, Checked it out. Checked, they said, send the money and I throw it out. So I often wondered if he ever sent it. We're talking before about when you first came to Australia, you didn't speak any, any English? Not at all. So how did you manage to uh, learn English eventually? And was it, how difficult was it for you? I didn't you? go to school at all. I had to work. So we just have to, from the work, try to learn a little bit, few words every day. And slowly, slowly, and uh, when you're young, you can keep them. I remember them. But now, myself, I'm hopeless. I can't, re <laughs> I can't remember nothing. But do you, um, do you remember any, uh, like, your experiences of where you first felt like you could communicate with Australians? Do you remember how long that took? I reckon six months to start, you know, communicate and learning. Half Greek, half English, mix them up. And <laughs> yeah. And uh, when you work in a small country towns, there's not many Greeks or whatever to... So you have to try to have some sort of conversation with your locals, uh, you learn a little bit in and I guess in country towns uh, in Australia, people tend to have strong accent and use more sl use a bit more slang. Mm -hmm, yeah. What 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 ways was life different here compared to what you experienced in Greece? Well, I didn't have any life in Greece. I was school kid, and uh, there was very bad years, and uh, people dying from hunger and from war, and. Uh, we didn't even have uh, electricity at night because of this uh, situation in way. How bad that, we have everything bad, so <laughs> you wouldn't call that life. Yeah. <laughs> it was a hell. <laughs> yeah. So but after, you know, after the war finished and the locals sorted it out, different, now it's different. So have you, uh, I guess you've been, ba you've been back to Mytilene since? Many times. And how, how would it change? What, what was noticeable for you? Well, the moving I had with the rest of the countries, you know, they dressed better, they go to the restaurants and they enjoy themselves, the clubs, bars, uh, the climate is beautiful, to go to, to, the, to the beach and, and everything different, much. The tourism now, they go by the millions every year. Yeah, it's, yeah. They don't fight among themselves, which uh, they've been okay. I'm interested in the, in the Greek community when you first arrived in Tasmania. Well, what was it like uh, living in Hobart at that time, especially as part of the 
great community. Well, the Greek community was about uh, maybe 20 families, and they all had the shops. Casimatis uh, was, uh, I don't know if you heard about them, <clears throat> and they had a restaurant and a fish shop, and uh, the bulk of the young Greeks that come when they went to work in the, for the hydro, must be five, six hundred young Greeks there, and our weekends come to town and spend money and join and back to work. And did Greek community, did you do lots of uh, things together? Like, did you do any, any activities or socialize or, or, or organized activities? Oh, yes, the families, they used to get together weekends and have a barbecue, go fishing, go hire a bus. The community used to hire a bus and driver and tour the, the island, stay a couple of nights and so on. And yeah, they don't do these things. Barbecues then, you used to have this lamb on the spit, but the lamb was uh, $15 a yeah. whole lamb. Now you want $30 for a kilo. Yeah, and I guess then it was fairly easy to get lamb in Tasmania. Of course, Tasmania the best in Australia. Tell me about some of the um, activities work you've done with the Greek community in Tasmania? I service in, uh, uh, in community many different, with many different uh, the presidents uh, and, uh, and a few presidents mm-hmm. in, in the committees. Yes. Well, been, uh, I think you must have been on a lot somehow. And just out of curiosity for myself, did the Greek community help finance people who were struggling that came out here? Oh, yes, I think. Yeah, yes. Help them financially. Yes, that's, that's a very important yes. thing, I think. Yes. So how did you go about that? Yeah, what, did, um, what, what were some examples of um, how the Greek community helped people? Well, if they have uh, health problems, they do anything to, in any way to do it, to help. Financially? And, yeah, so helping raise money. Yes, uh, yeah, but if... Uh, if they want to go holiday, buy something, they get lost. But, you know, if they health-wise, you know, if, yeah. if somebody loses somebody and in trouble, they, they help. Because it's, it seems to me that um, a very important part of Greek culture is a sense of community and being, being together. Well, for instance, uh, not very long ago, the Greek holiday needs a lot of uh, upgrading. And they don't do as much as they used to do before, because the new generation is mm-hmm. different. And uh, before they used to hire it for weddings and all that, but nothing much happening now. And they had to do some things, and uh, they send a note to the members, you know, the nations, you know, $1,000 or $500 something, and they get enough money to do but they don't do it all the time, maybe once in a couple of years or something. The thing with my age group, we're getting less and less because the old ones dying and the young ones that don't come with the old ones, what's left, you know. And uh, now one, I go there two, three times a week, you know, to have a game of cards or bring. It's... Uh, Everyone dies, there's no replacement. The young ones, they've got different 
Yeah, and, and also just uh, there's no hasn't been any many Greek migrants coming here for no. the last thirty plus years. So you're relying on the second, third generation. Yes, and uh, we're getting there less and less before full club. Never my twelve, fifteen people. Yeah, <laughs> was the same in the same ones we go back. Well, a couple of weeks ago, one died. It's finished. One, no replacement. Nobody. The young, the young ones have got different type. But are there any um, sort of traditions or, or, or aspects of Greek culture that you would like the next, the younger generation to continue? Yes, we like to. Well, now, Saturday night they had the, at the club they had music, bouzouki and a couple other instruments and food and drink. And the one they had before, but a month ago, was very success. And they had it on top of the club, but now they moved it into the hall because there's more room. Even all of the Greek-born Tasmanians are, are mostly pretty old, or are there still still some young younger ones? Well, there's still a few young, few young ones, but they keep to themselves, to their group. Mm-hmm. The age group. If there's something special in, Greek, in the Greek, in the church, and the young ones, the other day there was, must be three, three, four hundred who couldn't fit in. It was a special day. Other times you don't see many young ones mm. in the church.